Today, Kenny Wallace, three times Olympic medalist, Jane Smithers, scientist from Human and Supplement Testing Australia, join us to discuss drugs in sport. Every month, at least one Australian athlete tests positive from a supplement contaminated with a prohibited substance. Now, that's a stat from Masada this year, the Australian Sports Anti Doping Authority. Let's chat. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast, bringing you everything you need, want, and should know about health, fitness, nutrition, and training. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. All information provided in the podcast is the opinion of the individual and other contributors and does not represent the policy, procedure, or opinion of any other corporate entity or third party. Warning, this Body Science Podcast occasionally contains strong language, which may be unsuitable for children unusual humor which may be unsuitable for some adults and advanced science which may be unsuitable for bro science majors stay tuned the body science podcast is about to start today's podcast is brought to you by the new super berry flavored amino bcaa fuel this is the ideal workout companion to support your muscle growth and repair delivers the perfect combination of amino acids electrolytes and vitamins your body needs for energy and hydration to build muscle boost recovery and prevent muscle loss while dieting and what's even better every batch is tested for purity by australia's largest independent sports drug testing laboratory hasta we're at Body Science Headquarters today for another Fit, Happy, Healthy episode of the Body Science Podcast. Today, we've got some exciting people on board. Dr. Mac, worst Instagram account in fitness still. Next to him is a great mate of ours, been with the brand a long time, and we'll hit up on when that is later. But Kenny Wallace, OAM, three times Olympic medalist. I have to read this, guys. Sorry, it takes a while. One gold, Beijing K1 500. One bronze, Beijing K1 1000. London fourth, K2 1000. One bronze, Rio K2 1,000, fourth in the K4 that year in 1,000. Seven times world champion. It's going to take a breath, Kenny. I'm <laughs> coming back in. Interesting fact, stood on the podium from 2012 to 2016, 17 times more than any other athlete in an international event. So clapping that one in, mate. Nice. That's a big effort. Impressive. I'm sure there was a few little wee tests amongst all that. On the other side of the table is a good friend of ours now. shouldn't say that because she's an independent third-party <laughs> tester, but we love what she's brought to Australia. The fact that she's from Hasta which is Human and Supplement Testing Australia, and the she I'm talking about, I apologise for calling you she, is Jane Smithers, one of the scientists. Look, Jane bought Hasta to Australia to supplement companies to be able to test supplements, and that's a massive thing for us. We launched back in 2011 with Informed Sport before that. It's great that Australia has a recognised drug testing lab, and you can talk more about that because you talk way better than I do on that. This is actually the most you've ever talked on a podcast. Yeah, this is, I've clocked up more words today than I have in every podcast. Yeah, I know, and it probably will sound terrible, but let's move on. One of the big things here is with the butts and the ums is Dr. Mac here actually helped me set up my second drug testing program we had. The first one we had was I used to ring people like Kenny and go, how are you, mate? What's happening? Been drug tested? Oh, yeah. Then I'd document that he'd been drug tested and what supplements we used and we didn't change manufacturers and I stayed with like the same creatine brand for years and years and we didn't fall into the trap of, you know, oh, that one's $2 cheaper this month and we're buying three tonne of it. Let's do that. And that's how we ran our drug testing. I went to Dr. Mac over here and said, mate, this is really hard and it's getting serious. We, got, we had like 47 elite teams 
or something on our books mm. at this stage and there was nothing around. So I engaged Mac to go and find out what is the best option for us. And at the time, I'll let you tell the story, mate. You might want to jump oh, in. yeah. It was uncharted territory, mate. 2010 yeah. was the initial conversations yeah. and... and the initial foray into having a structured in-house testing scheme in place for body science products. And yeah. I did exactly that. I went to what I thought would be, you know, the places to go here in Australia, various government and independent labs. And there were no there was no capacity to do it whatsoever. So we ended up with HFL labs in the UK. And mm. as, as you know, we ended up bundling up individual batches of products, a, a full range of products uh, across the body science range, which was pretty big at the time. It was. I think it was one time you had a hundred products, didn't you? Yeah, like, we were doing a lot of testing. Yeah, we were doing a lot of testing and bundling them up, sending them to the UK, waiting for those to come back batch by batch, flavour by flavour, the usual routine. Yep. And, we were uh, doing a lot of raw material testing too. A lot of raw like material testing. You um, form- once you yeah. start that program, you start creating new formulas as well and you use new suppliers. Yeah, yeah. And, and the number of yeah. positive dotes we got was actually scary. Like yeah, was- there were a few came back that with a few alarm bells from various uh, ingredients. I can't remember what they were. Supply channels that sort Supply of came Supply channels yeah. were the issue, absolutely. But it was, you know, it was uncharted territory and, and it's evolved significantly in the last, you know, eight years or so since then. Time flies. So, Jane, let's start with you. Tell us all about Hasta. Like, wh- why would people care that Hasta does what it does? So, as we were saying a minute ago, there wasn't an option in Australia to test supplements. Hasta was incorporated into a large drug testing lab to meet that need in Australia. So mm-hmm. there was definitely a gap in the market. So Hasta's part of Racing Analytical Services, and we're the largest sports drug testing laboratory in Australia. Yeah. So we're an independent drug testing lab. So that's the right sort of lab to do this sort of testing. And that's the same background as you were talking about with Informed Sport and HFL in the UK. Uh, they're a, a drug testing in sport laboratory that's now specialised in supplements. So that's different from the labs that actually test the athletes, okay. because they're WADA accredited labs that just test athletes. Whereas we do predominantly uh, racing testing. So for horses and dogs, we do more than 50,000 samples per annum. And that's where our expertise comes from. So for us to then move into supplements, we don't have a conflict of interest. And we can bring that drug testing expertise to testing your supplements. Why is it important? Well, it protects your competing athletes. So it's really important that athletes understand what they're taking. But there are opportunities where they want to try something or they think this looks okay or they haven't read the label properly where they may end up ingesting something that they shouldn't and have an adverse finding. The other thing, as you said, is you have legitimate manufacturers like yourself who have a problem with their supply chain and they find there's a contaminant in their product, which you don't expect to be there and can then ruin both your reputation and your sponsored athlete. So it's really about protecting both the athlete and your brand and your reputation. Kenny, how many drug tests have you done? Well, this week, (laughs) last week, (laughs) hundreds. If, if not close to thousands, like it's it's amazing. And when it rains, it pours. We might not get tested for six weeks, a couple of months, and then we'll get tested three times within two weeks. You know, I think the most I've been tested is, is literally twice within like a 18 hour period. That's probably the most. Rio Olympics, I got tested three times within the week. I don't know <laughs> what difference they're gonna find between the first and the last one, but it's amazing that they do it and it's good that it's random. We don't know when it's coming. For me, yeah, a lot of athletes find it really annoying to get drug tested because it takes time and it, you know, they turn up unannounced. They, you know, Nobody knows that they're coming, but I'd rather get tested every day of the year to show that you can do sport clean and you can still compete at the highest level so for the sake of you know sometimes it might be 10 minutes you know if you need to go to the bathroom or or take blood other times it's hours 
you know, because we've been out training for so long we are dehydrated as much as we try to drink during training you just get dehydrated so it does take time but i'd rather get tested every day so jane do you want to tell us some of the stats in relation to what's found from the testing process and, and what you actually test for and what you do so we test for over 200 wider band substances in every supplement we test and that's across a broad range of different wider band groups so the wider code is actually really complex and there's different groups of drugs that are banned both in and out of competition Competition. So to Ken's point, the reason they test more when you're, say, at the Olympics or, mm-hmm. or in competition is because there's a much broader range of drugs that you can be tested well, for. In or, competition yeah, testing and testing, out of competition, competition testing. testing yeah. so. Wow. A much broader range of drugs that you tested for in competition mm-hmm. and that's why they do more testing at that time. So for us as a drug testing lab, we're trying to cover the broadest range of drugs that if they were in a supplement would cause an athlete problems, both in and out of competition. So in that way, we have to take what's, you know, basically some protein powders or everything from protein powders to vitamins and minerals and get them to an extract that we can test. Mm-hmm. And then it goes through a series of different screens. It's in a, a big chemistry lab, so it's GCMS and LCMS technology. It's very sensitive. We get down to parts per billion and we're looking for traces of those drugs that are banned in sport. There might be, you know, uh, screens for anabolic steroids. There's a different screen again for diuretics and stimulants. And we're one of the few labs who can test for peptides. We have a research lab that's done a lot of work in doping in sport in horses and dogs looking for EPO and performance enhancing peptides. And we bring that skill to our supplement testing as well. There's no peptides in sport, is there, Mac? I don't think so. No, I didn't think there was either. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for all your input here so no, far too, mate. I'm listening. You've been unreal. I'm, I'm <laughs> fine, mate. I'm, I'm sitting back watching. I'm normally, I'm normally doing all the talking. I'm, I'm quite happy for you to jump into because you've got some good stories to tell. Yeah, no, that's all good. So, Kenny, you head overseas to uh, Poland? Poland, Hungary. You know, we do a lot of time through Europe, generally between three to four months a year because mm-hmm. that's where most of our racing is, all our World Cups, all our World Championships. Some of the places that we go through Europe are you know, some of the most picturesque places that we've ever trained at and other places. Uh, we're out in the slums, yeah. some of it. For us to find, you know, we're, we're training on water 10 sessions a week. We're doing three to four gym sessions a week. We're riding our bike to and from training. It might only be a few K, but it adds up when you're, when you're doing three and four sessions a day. So for us to, to get the nutrients out of our food that we need, we we need to take supplements to supplement you know, our food intake because we are training so much. It's, we're trying to keep, it's funny and it's kind of the opposite to what a lot of people are. We're trying to actually keep weight on because we can't, you know, we're training so much, even though we're doing gym and everything, we're actually still trying to keep weight on and, and for our muscles to not eat away at themselves, basically. We'd spend a lot of time in Europe, basically. As a team, how do you guys handle the food side, the supplement side, the supplements of, since, since the darkest day in Australian sport or whatever it was called? It was a dark day for us, I know that. It's become such a... Everyone talks about it, like it's... it's a th- You're not talking about sandpaper on cricket balls, eh? No. Nah. You're talking about the other darkest day. He's a good friend of ours, too, that guy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to contribute. No, it's all right. <laughs> it was really good. So... From a perspective of, of travel and going to another country, you've got major issues. Like I'm talking to a lot of dietitians these days and they're, they're testing, they want protein bars tested, they want everything tested. I'm not sure the lolly bars and all the confectionery companies are doing drug testing, but from, from an athlete point of view and an overseas base, how do you guys prepare for this and, and how do you guys sit yourself up? What, what's it look like from a perspective of you go away for like up to months at a time? Well, well for us, uh, the biggest preparation that we have is we've got to box it all up and then we turn up to the airport and go and smile really nicely at the girl checking us in or the guy checking us in and go, got a few extra kilos. 
And uh, and we take and we take our supplements with us because we don't. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there's companies overseas and through Europe that that are fine and they. Uh, third party tests as well but we trust the brand here and we we trust that it's been tested third party everything else at the first steps we take our supplements with us we don't we don't risk it we have you know, a zero tolerance for risk in any way we try to minimize that so we, are you walking into a shop and buying a muesli bar or a nut we, bar or you're not doing we, anything like that no, the, there's cafes out there that are doing protein shakes or you know they, they're adding all these things into these not they look beautiful to to drink but we don't we don't touch any of that. We can't, yeah, it's zero risk, even with the normal drink bottle. Yeah, everything's sealed, everything. And we're, I guess we're educated so young in our sporting career to start looking for these types of things that the older you get, we just take it for granted. Like even now it's everything's sealed bottles. It, it sounds bad to, to not reuse some things, but for us, it's a zero risk policy. Yeah, where we train in, in, there's a place in Hungary, which is fine. I'm sure we're surrounded by nice people, but we don't take any risk. We put locks on our fridges. All our bottles are sealed. We don't fill our con- drink bottle containers up out of the tap anymore. We don't. We don't do anything. The waters, they're probably fine. Yeah. 99.9% of the time, it's fine. But yeah. we have that zero risk policy that take everything with us or sealed bottles or strength conditioning wise i mean that that has two effects certainly from any doping perspective so at the elite level medicos nutritionists will go ahead often go ahead of the team that's as much about planning the logistics of travel and ensuring that the quality of food is Mm -hmm. is good as well as the doping risk associated with it so from a performance perspective it's making sure that you've got what you need nutrition wise perhaps a equally as important but perhaps a consequence of that is making sure that there's no risk of inadvertent findings with contaminants in it could be anything with <coughs> respect meat. to supplements yeah. could be meat could be anything yeah, that's, that's sourced locally particularly overseas and Kim makes a good point so my experience is more so in national football codes here in Australia and each one of those has their own doping policy policy yeah. Oh, anti-doping policy, not doping policy, <laughs> faux pas. But fundamentally, it's about education. And Kim makes a great point as well. When you've got uh, athletes that are uh, maybe living at home with mum and dad or not cooking for themselves or not rely, not having things organised for them, then you can only, what I'm saying is you can only control what happens when they're under your care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once they leave and they drop into the servo on the way home and they yeah. purchase whatever, <laughs> you can do nothing about that. Yeah. So it's an, it's an education process and it's not about scaring the heck out of anybody, but it's about awareness and it's about being informed. The fundamental policy with any team I've ever worked with is we try, not every team can afford to give all their athletes supplements. Obviously, yeah. you know, different budgets and different levels. And in many cases, athletes are buying their own products, right? Mm-hmm. And so where do they source those? So you can certainly make some recommendations. You've got to stay off the internet. I mean, the, fundamentally, we, we tell athletes, don't buy anything that's manufactured overseas. End of story. Mainly around the anti-doping risk and equally as much there's absolutely no guarantee whatsoever active ingredients in a product are actually even in there. Yeah. So it's as much around quality of the product, product. as it is about an adverse finding with an anti-doping test. So mm. there's a lot of working parts to this whole you know system of nutrition, supplementation, anti-doping. It all comes under one umbrella, really. Mm. But it's complicated. And even just defining a supplement, you said, you know, we take supplements and people ring us up all the time. We've got a supplement, we want to test. It's such a broad term. There's not a definition mm. of, that fits all of the things that are now being counted as supplements. So if you look at the Food Standards Code and you've got formulated supplementary sports foods, which is where a lot of your products mm. sit, and they've got a very defined characteristic and we understand what we're working with and you can identify that as a supplement. 
But from there, you go through a whole lot of complementary medicines, which increasingly there's a lot of interest in everything from turmeric to fish oil to those sorts of things. Are they a supplement? Are they a complementary medicine? And then right through to your bars. I mean, you get straight muesli bars and then you get a protein bar. They send us protein bars for testing, but not the muesli bar. So finding that line, I think, is really difficult for athletes as well to say, what are the things they should be declaring and talking to their dietitian and coaches and strength and conditioning coaches about? So it's that uh, whole range of things that people are taking. I guess when, when we say we we don't we have zero risk policy, mm. there's always going to be a risk. Yeah. It's just a matter of minimising that yeah. risk. Yeah. So you go to the companies that you trust, you go to Australian Made, you go mm. to yeah. There's there's a checklist of so many things <clears throat> that you can do to try and minimise that risk. It is zero risk, but that zero risk is comes onto the athlete's responsibility as well. Yeah, and if you're still living at home and still with the parents, yeah, there, there's a responsibility for the parents. Be- mm. To help that, yeah, no parent wants to, you know, of a child that does sport wants to make them inadvertently go positive on yeah. a on a drug, drug test. test. So yeah. there's a responsibility for the parents, there's a responsibility for the coaches, there's a responsibility for the team. That it fans out massively, but ultimately, the athletes educated on what goes in your body is your own. Yeah responsibility yeah so, that's a really good point mate yeah. ultimately at the end of the day we we are the ones responsible so we have to i look at the drink bottles are they sealed are they i'm not going to go out and buy a protein bar from somewhere else that hasn't been tested or yeah i'm not going to go down to the cafe like every cafe down the road's doing uh, you know healthy <laughs> protein shakes yeah. or you know something like that and they look beautiful some of the mm. ing- other ingredients that you see go in it but you just don't know where it's, where it's come from. from yeah the accountability to what goes in your mouth is is fundamental to the whole thing and that's where we've had cases in this country where there have been well you talked about the darkest day in australian sport that's the first one not the second the one. first one yeah that's not an example of inadvertent uh doping i, I wouldn't suggest that's a, a that's a different kettle of fish but fundamentally it makes the point be that as it may every individual within any organization if you're subject to testing with wada or sada mm. you're responsible Education is key, and it's about information. Information is power, and and just awareness and the information sources. You have to rely on, you know, if you're playing for a team or if you're under AIS umbrella or whatever it might be, then you need to be conscious as an athlete that you're asking the right questions of the right people yeah. and getting your information from that reputable source rather than Dr. Google. But how, how much education think... is there out, out there for you? I know like there's just, the Sardis just launched their app, yeah. which is great. We've been educated about it since the moment I stepped foot into our sport and the moment I stepped foot into a national organisation. Mm-hmm. And originally, when when you're younger, you kind of just go, yeah, whatever, drugs and sport. You don't you don't really think mm. too much about it. And then you start to see the headlines: athletes, Olympian or Olympic gold medalist or Commonwealth Games gold medalist. Yeah, whatever they are, footy star, like all these people and their reputation and everything's just squashed in the moment that they go positive for a test. Mm. Now, that's not to say every athlete or every footy player or every yeah, everyone that's been done for a positive test has deliberately taken a performance enhancing drug we were talking before about the percentage of performance enhancing drugs that aren't maybe criminally recognized drugs that some of these drugs are something that you can buy over the counter at your chemist these are something that you can get at the cafe you know these are yeah, they're some, not traditionally illegal they're, they're not, not a traditional yeah. you know a lot of people think a drug in sport they think of a needle going into an arm and then that's it it's 
it's not. Most drugs now are something that you would take orally inadvertently. Especially brands yeah. country to country too, you know, formulas change yeah. from different Cold countries. flu medications, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, simple cough syrups, things like that. Yeah, yeah. it's everything. So when for us as an athlete, when we travel, we take everything that we've bought here in Australia. We don't take anything that we've had uh, overseas. We take you know, big medical bags and our sport takes big medical bags with everything in it mm. that we could, you know, everything down to the cough and flu tablets, the, yeah. the whole lot, the nose sprays to try and yeah, clear us out after we've traveled for a long period of time. Everything's done as shown. But we also check there are websites available on the internet. One's called, and Asada uses as well, Global, Global Dro. Yeah. What was that again? Can you say that again? Global, Global Dro. Yeah, so every parent, everyone that, everything that I do now, if, even if I get told, okay, this is okay to take, I go through this Global Dro website, check it, put the name of it in, it comes up, yep, sweet, done, and it will come up whether it's in competition in or, or out, out of competition yeah. testing. Yeah. Now you get two little green uh, ticks, yeah, sorted, sweet, I can take that. Even if I'm out of competition and I see something there that I just don't hard. don't risk it. It's I don't want to know about it. I think when you analyse down to the actual performance benefit of a lot of these things, it's mental. Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no, it's not it's, worth it. Well, there's a whole lot of, if you look at the in-competition versus out-of-competition drugs that they look for, I mean, the main out-of-competition drugs that therefore they're saying have effect long-term are things like your steroids, so yeah. your anabolics. So they're saying this is banned all the time because you're going to take it and it's having an effect that mm -hmm. builds and is over time and gives you that edge. Most of the ones that are banned in competition are shorter acting. So again, that comes to your point about being tested more often. So they're the stimulants. They're the things that are around the amphetamines group. So some of those, as you say, cold and flu medications yeah. got pseudoephedrine in it. That's an example. Another one that you see often in the water list is methylphenidate, which is um, Ritalin. So that's a prescription medication that people yeah. abuse in sport to give them that edge. So you've got a whole lot of medication that's actually legal but not legal for use as a performance enhancing agent. And meldonium was a good example of that. They said, we think this is being misused. So when they started testing athletes and had it on the watch list and saw it coming up, then they banned it and then there were 500 or more yeah. wow. doping violations. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So you talk about like a steroid there. Now, at the moment, our if somebody gets done for steroids, they're banned for four years? Yeah. Now, what are the effects of, so we, I race a lot of guys that have been done for a, a drug or used to race a lot of guys that have been done for a drug and they may have been on a steroid when, 10 years ago. They'd had their doping ban, that got done for four years, but they may have been on the steroid for two years. So how has that developed their body? They've gotten stronger, quicker, faster, everything when they're younger. They've served their ban and now I'm still okay to race these guys, but even though they're... That's probably one for you, Mac, like, let's be honest. <laughs> like it's... Oh, there's no question that, that the long-term benefits remain, perhaps not to the same degree as the, that scenario that, that Ken mentioned. The residual effect or the long-term effect of the increase in muscle mass, etc., remains. I think there's a, there's a long that... discussion around the, I suppose, the ethical component of that and does that make it a fair, uh, a fair playing field after four years? Does that mean people should get lifetime bans if they get done for a certain? <laughs> he's not going to uh, go around. Well, he's well, not going anywhere near that. Well, I mean, my opinion doesn't really matter. But what, the answer to the question is: Is there a residual effect? And the answer is: Yeah, absolutely, there is. Yeah. You, I don't have the answer to your question, no. but it's a good question. And, and I don't think anyone will have the answer to that question because everyone would have an opinion. Oh, that should be athlete driven, if you ask me. 
answering. Mm. That's not a hard question. Yeah, no, that's uh, not a hard question. If you get anything. done for for this drug, okay, you're a lifetime ban. Sorry, yeah, exactly. you know you have deliberately well, taken this drug to better mm. perform. Sorry, it, that's not good enough. Lifetime ban done. And so, uh, no if argument. you get inadvertent contamination, yeah, so we this is the, earlier, yeah. they do tend to have a lower period of suspension. Yeah, okay. so if well, they like can prove, year. again, it comes back to them saying, "I took this inadvertently. Here are all my records. I knew what I was taking. This is what yeah. we thought was under control, and then turns out not to have been." And you see cases where they've then reduced their ban to sometimes less than twelve months. Now, that's also then becomes a reputational risk for some of the suppliers because are we having athletes who then immediately say oh, it must be the supplement mm-hmm. so one of the reasons that it's good for us to test for legitimate manufacturers is we're protecting the brand as well so they've got a record of testing they know what's gone into mm-hmm. their product they're taking that extra step of testing their product to safeguard both the athletes using their products and also their own reputation yeah it's massive so for us it's a really big commitment to, to, to make to me as an athlete like it's whether we're like not jane i see you as the insurance policy yeah. Yeah, this is what this is what I. I'm sure, your boss likes that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in body science since 2001. I've had a oh, long service. Like hundred. I'm part of the. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually part, part of the, of the furniture in here. Yeah. I actually live here. I've been tested hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm whilst using my body science supplements. So I trust the brand, I trust the processes that they've gone through. They understand the risks that that I'm taking, that every athlete's taking using any supplement. So to go that extra step, it's really it, important. It's really important. And for for me, it's it's a, just a massive tick in the and box. It's, that... it's interesting that Asada's actually officially recognised that now because if you look at a lot of their work in the past, they've said to athletes, just don't take them. It's, yep. it's no, don't take any don't supplements, take any supplements at all, yep. right? And, that's, and there's a change in their language now to say, we still don't recommend you take supplements, but if you do take a supplement, take a tested supplement. Mm-hmm. And then with them then developing this app, what they're giving you access to, a bit like your global DRO, yep. is a supplement checker which says which of these have actually been independently tested. So to your point, they're saying there's a risk, but these are the lowest risk. And that's the people we want to work with because we want to show that their products are low risk. Again, minimising the risk. Minimising the risk. So it's about good records, good reputation, really Mm -hmm. ticking all of those boxes before you take something. People aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but I think anyone who's in formulated sports foods or or supplements should be tested. Like if you want to be in that category and and, and play in that world just to make life easy, you've got to pay for the testing. Mm -hmm. That's just the bottom line. If people invest, the athlete wins. Mm -hmm. And it is complex. And it is expensive testing. Oh, it is, There's no yeah. two ways about that because you're looking for so many different drugs. So you can't just run one test through mm-hmm. one machine and say, yep, it's all good. You're actually doing multiple extracts and looking for all of those different drugs. And that takes time and it takes expertise to make sure that they're not there. Yeah, it's it not cheap for a company to do. No. It's not just the cost of the actual testing, though. I mean, we can't sell our product until you say yes. That's right. And occasionally that can cause headaches, but. <laughs> <laughs> Big headaches, but it's that, that's no, people don't even know that, you know. And it takes what 14 days on a good day to yeah, yeah, test ten, a product, 10 working days, and, yeah. and more if we have any issues with often it's the actual complexity of the product. Because as we were saying, we you're not dealing with like urine and blood, which are mm-hmm. nice, consistent matrices to work with in a, in a laboratory, you're dealing with everything from muesli bars to whey protein to fish oil to all of those things. So, you have to have a whole series of methods that allow you to extract the drugs from those products. And that's where our expertise comes in. There's, there's a, I think there's a lot of confusion 
in the industry that trickles down to the end user of of the supplement. For example, anyone can start a supplement company. Absolutely. I mean, how many supplement companies are there, even in Australia? I mean, it's yeah. it's the most, it's an incredibly saturated market. We could do it right now, probably in five minutes. We could set up a company, we yeah. could find a manufacturer down the road, and we could probably have a product on the shelf in five minutes. You know, it's not a, it's not a difficult process to do. And certainly there are sports that are subject to testing, and then there are the other end user who is not subject to testing and perhaps it's not a priority in their life Mm -hmm. whether or not a a product is or isn't got a contaminated substance in it. I think it just becomes very complicated then for companies who are trying to do the right thing, who more correctly are doing the right thing versus those that say, well, you know what, that's not our market, don't really care, we're not going to worry about it. Uh, And I think there's a lot of that going on and I don't know how many you would know, I suppose, Joan, the stats on the number of companies supplement companies in this country who are participate in in testing with an organization like yourself i would expect it's pretty low i'd expect it's really low but i think leading on from your point if you want to be a provider to the athletic industry to the the sports uh, industry then i think i think testing should be mandatory yeah, we're not the ones who said we're a formulated sports food. That's, no. that's a government body. And yeah, yeah, if you absolutely. want to play in that game, you should play yeah. in the game. That's right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, Because at the moment, people, I don't think the education has trickled down as well as it could. I think the education policies by the professional sporting leagues like the AFLs and the NRLs, they have great education processes in place yeah. for grassroots right through. And they should be commended for that. They, have, they do a really good job of it. But I, again, I come back to the, the industry that is not necessarily afforded that education, don't know really where to get good inv- um, information. They might go, well, you know, product product A, it's a little bit cheaper. I'm going to go with that one. Protein is just protein. Protein is just protein, and protein is not just protein. <laughs> just like a calorie is not a calorie. You know, we, you know, it's it's complicated. As I say, I keep coming back to this. It's it's a complicated story, but yeah. I think uh, the more good information, sound information, reputable information that can be provided, the better. I don't think people actually understand how high level risk it actually is. Yeah, so there's very different stats if you look at testing what we would consider high-risk supplements, like just going on the internet. When we first set up in 2015, we did a big survey and we got, you know, 16, 20% positive if we just bought supplements online and off the shelf. Yeah, I remember that study. There was a study. Yeah, Yeah. more extreme the name is, I have to say, the more likely it is to come up positive. So that's one of our tips. And there's a really good (laughs) Dutch study and they just looked, they said, look, we run a scheme like Haster and like Informed Sport where we test for legitimate manufacturers and we have a really low hit rate and that would we've got a similar experience we're dealing with legitimate manufacturers the contamination rate so you're looking at supply chain breakdowns or a contaminated raw ingredient that never then gets to the athlete and it's less than one percent you know it's certainly less than five percent over time if you go out and buy things just straight off the shelf particularly in groups like pre-workouts testosterone boosters all of those sorts of things you get positive rates that just go up over 20 percent so, all so the there are two, so all the test boosters on the market just will go on sales <laughs> very different markets and I think to your point because it's such a growth industry and there's this big crossover now between sport and health and fitness and, and diet and diet yeah. and you know if you look at one of the most popular you know drugs still and that people get pinged for is clenbuterol yeah. well it's very popular in gyms and shredding and that whole because you guys, you guys would be good market. at testing for that too wouldn't you you'd mm. be good at testing for that wouldn't you <laughs> 
It's Once an, it's true, it's a non-anabolic steroid. So, Jane, what are you seeing in terms of some of the stats around different sports and or different products? What, what are some of the common? Well, if we look at Australia yeah. last year, and Asada put out a specific warning about this, the two things that they saw a particular growth in that athletes felt were coming from supplements were higenamine and DMBA. So DMBA is a stimulant like DMAA. It's now actually banned in Australia. The TGA's made it a, um, an illegal substance, but it was coming through in a lot of supplements, particularly as we were saying before, offshore pre-workouts yeah, as a stimulant. Yep. Now, that's not inadvertent contamination. That's a manufacturer putting something in that they think that their users want and want that edge. Mm-hmm. And then drug-tested athletes are taking that with really without really understanding what it says on the label. And some of that is the use of terms that people think sound natural. So DMBA has often been shown as Puchong tea extract. It's not Puchong tea extract, it's a synthetic stimulant. Does and it sound bad that I have no idea what you're talking about when no, it, com- when it comes to, to the, the names of these drugs? I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about because as an athlete, we don't even get to that part. Yeah, in, if you're, yeah but you need to understand like an athlete walks into a, a store and goes, I want your best pre-workout. Yeah. Like just a simple line, and that's where that type of thing comes across. Yeah, so and it says Puchong tea extract, and you go, oh, that must be all right. Tea. Yeah, it's tea. That's it all right. Might, it's it green tea. Right. That's all popular. That'll be fine. Mum's but actually, it's a high-level um, yeah. stimulant. So. You know what? There's a, that's interesting, Kenny. The, the market that I deal with, the physique industry, they are all over it. Yeah. yeah. So they know exactly what it is, yeah. and they look for it. Mm. They look for it, and. You know, with some of the DMAAs and some of those stimulants, yeah, they were in a lot of products at a time when they weren't banned. That's exactly. right. And, yep. so and they've the, had to be taken off the market. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And so it's an evolving landscape. Yeah. So that's a risk, not reading the label properly or not understanding what's on the label because they do try and disguise some of those. The other thing that we see is actual inadvertent contamination, and that's where you have a supply chain breakdown. Now, those tend to be much less interesting stimulants like ephedrine or pseudoephedrine that might come through a herbal mix, particularly with some of those, the complementary medicines that sit alongside that whole supplement market. So you might get contaminated raw material that comes through with those. That's a lower level stimulant, but it's still going to get an athlete into trouble. And that's the sort of thing that you see in a legitimate manufacturer who's actually had something come through inadvertently in a raw material, and we stop that before it's released to an athlete. The ones with high level of things like higanamine or DMAA, they were supplements that were built that way mm-hmm. for a particular market. So again, in terms of an athlete, it's actually knowing where you sit and knowing what to check. And that's why having tested supplements and things like the Asada Lab app that now allows you to check for those should actually help reduce your risk. You can actually check a batch on that, which is great. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. It's yeah. not just what's in the ingredient panel, it's down to batch level. At the moment now, any, any supplement that we take, everyone's got a phone these days. I take a photo of it, take a photo of the batch number, done. Yeah. And it, and it's in there. I don't I don't think twice about it anymore. Yeah. I see that it's has to tested. Yep. Great. Take the supplement, but it's I've always got it on record. Absolutely. What the name of so it is, see. the batch yeah. number yeah, that it is. Yeah. Again, the athlete responsibility. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest sports that are in trouble these days with uh, doping? And we're working off an official list here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah, it's there's not like we made this up to sound no. good. <laughs> in Australia? I've got the drugs internationally, but the Australian ones in terms of what... By way of just a general comment, I I think while the risk is there, if you're following a a food-first policy with some supplemental products, proteins and and that sort of thing, I think you risk, by going with 
uh, reputable brands like the Body Science brand, I think your risk is incredibly low. If you want to go off the reservation, and that's I think when we see you know, a lot of the positive dopes, doping um, findings we've seen, and, and certainly I've worked with teams that have had athletes that have had adverse findings. They've gone off the reservation. Yeah. They've gone outside of the scope or outside of the recommendations of the organisation, and they've made some decisions off their own bat about what they think they can perhaps do. They want to push the envelope. They usually, the cases that I've seen have been, they've received poor information from non-reputable mm-hmm. sources that thought they would get a quick fix, maybe coming back from an injury or or you know, performance enhancing, whatever it might be, and it's been on bad information. I think if you if you do that, and Ken makes a good point with the photographing of the product uh, and the batch number, I do the same thing. As a, a strength conditioning coach, certainly keep meticulous records and photographic evidence and, and so on and so forth. I know if I've got a squad of 48 players and one player has a positive outcome and he or she turns around and says, oh, it was in the protein, I know it's garbage from the minute that that comes to light because I know, well, 47 other people took it, they were all tested and they're all fine. It's about risk mitigation for the company, it's about risk mitigation for the organisation, the strength conditioning coach, the athlete, and, and downstream from there. There'll always be people who want to push the envelope, and mm-hmm. but it's a bit about having those having your ducks in a row to, to overcome that, really. Yeah. Certainly those sports where weight and muscle is important are still the ones that you see coming up more often. Yep. So mm-hmm. they're the ones where you're more likely to see use of steroids, anabolic or your non-anabolics like your clenbuterol, osterine we're seeing more of. So those sports where that real muscle building and they're trying to get an edge or as you say, maybe someone's had an injury and they're coming back and trying to get back quickly. And because it's spanned in and out of competition and it has that long-term effect we talked about before, those sports certainly seem to be mm. overrepresented in terms of positive doping offences. Yeah. And I think with uh, potential risk in, in the mainstream supplements, I think it's pretty hard to have an accidental positive doping test for an anabolic yeah. or an androgen. It's yeah. pretty hard to have a positive test for testosterone yeah. or stenozanol or any of those yeah. products. I accidentally, I mean, I mean, let's be serious. I mean, stimulants yeah. that, are, that might appear in pre-workouts yeah. and thermogenics, uh, absolutely I can see where there could be capacity for some error there. Yeah. But it's pretty hard to have an accidental test for, you know, if you've got 20 times the level of testosterone in your system, mm. that's an awful lot of contaminated <laughs> something from somewhere. You that's know, a big drink. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of contaminated <laughs> lean pork from somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but I agree. I think where the, where muscle mass is a key, yeah. where body where um, body composition is an issue, where yeah. force, power, high speed, explosiveness, endurance, you know, those upper ends of the spectrum in terms of performance capabilities, there's always going to be mm. and big bucks. You know, we're talking absolutely, you know, massive, big careers, big bucks, and we're seeing this filter into perhaps less or, um, some of the less orthodox sports into the CrossFits of the world and we've seen some positive findings there. I don't think I'm dropping any bombs there. The, no. You know, the recent CrossFit Games in the US, there was a... Good on them for testing, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic that they're, they're yeah. really conscious about it, you know, because it's become, it's a massive phenomenon and yeah. there's big dollars on the line. A credit to them for, for having a policy in place. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting and the travel's a big one. The international travel, Kenny, I'm, I'm sure there's been places in Poland and probably Belgium and everywhere that you've probably got to put padlocks on the system and on the fridges and all that sort of stuff uh, as you go around the uh, place. Within the sporting community, it's funny, everyone knows somebody that oh, we think that that person may be on drugs or we think that that person because 
you can see that how they've progressed through their sporting career. They, you know, they haven't really performed, haven't really performed. The next year they're massive and they <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden win medals. So you kind of go, what, what something's happened somewhere in, in and around that. And we always hear stories of people you know, putting something else in somebody's yeah, drink tampering. bottle. What do you and think the actual incidence of tampering is? Because that's often used as a defence. They say it must have been tampered. Must have, yeah, must, must have been tampered. with. somebody's put something in my, my drink Jay? bottle. Do you have an opinion? What do you think, Kenny? <laughs> Whether it can happen. No, no, no. I know it can happen. I'm interested in, do we think it happens much? There was a case in Japan just recently where I, I know about it because it was within my sport. Another paddler put something else, and he admitted to it, mm. put something else into another person's drink bottle or, something, or food. And then that person tested positive. In the end, this other guy admitted to it, saying, yeah, so it was me. Now, this made national news. There was Japanese TV stations ringing me up here in Australia trying to get a comment for it. To me, I, just, I don't want to know about it. Mm. Like, I do not want to know about the drug testing. I want to... Mm line up on the start line and go, you know what, everyone here, they've done the hard work, they've trained yeah. as hard as they can, and let's, let's just race. As long as it's fair and clean, I, I don't care. Let's just see who can get the fastest down the end. If I get beaten by somebody that's taking drugs, it's... It's a nothing race. It's a it's a mm. letdown. It's yeah, absolutely. The hard part is we might not find that out for yeah, the next years. no, or yeah. the next eight years because yeah. they now hold on to our samples, our urine and blood samples for ten years. Mm. So Jared Talent, yeah. you know, four years later, uh, race walker got silver in London. At the time, got silver mm. in London. Uh, in 2015, 16, they announced him as the Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, it's a tough gig, isn't yeah. it? Really yeah, because, because you, never uh, get the, yeah. you, you don't get the, you recognition, don't the recognition at the Olympics. At the or anything. Yeah. But even a lot of the athletes might not go, oh, it's, I've missed out on that recognition. It's mm. the, I've raced a drug cheat. I'm sure within his sport, you know, that's just one story. I'm sure there's, there's hundreds oh, of stories. So off athletes, let's talk about just standard workplace testing. What? Oh, we do workplace testing as well. We yeah. don't do athletes, as I think I said before, that's done by the yeah. WADA lab in yes. each country. Uh, but we certainly do workplace testing because that's another area where people have got an accountability and there's different workplaces have different requirements. It's a bit like your football teams. Different workplaces have different doping policies. So we certainly do drug testing of urine and uh, oral fluid predominantly for workplaces. There's high-risk workplaces where you can't be on stimulants or alcohol or other drugs can affect Operating your performance. Operating big machinery. Big machinery, yeah. construction, yeah. pilots. Obviously, there's different professions where they've got a, a no-drugs policy, particularly for illicit. So if you think of you know customs or federal police, people who could be compromised. So across Australia, there's a lot of workplace drug testing is done as well. So it's not just the athletes mm -hmm. who have to line up and give a urine <laughs> sample. It's lots of workplaces that have a doping policy as well. Interesting. And we group. certainly see changes in that profile as well because obviously it's fairly well known that there's an increase in amphetamine and ice usage and probably we see a decrease in THC or cannabis, a, a change in the balance. Okay. And codeine is interesting now because codeine has mm -hmm. now become a prescription only in Australia. So uh, there's a lot of codeine use in Australia. That's one of the reasons they felt it was overused here. And we're seeing a shift now. So it'll be interesting to see how normal workplace drug testing, because that's one of the things that picks up is codeine. And people mm -hmm. have usually said, oh, I just had a cold and flu tablet. So now that will be, in effect, the, the workplace equivalent of a therapeutic use yeah. exemption is yeah. to say, I have a prescription for this medication. So yeah, it is important to drug test, not just in sport, but mm -hmm. across 
across mm. a range of different professions. So this, this could be a really silly question, but I've got heaps of them. Say codeine suddenly comes up on the list of things you need to look for. What does that mean for your organisation as far as timing to come to market, standards, testing, equipment? If we add in a drug to like, yeah. so if they say something you know, like new. supplements. Meldonium was a good example of that. So for us, it's a matter of um, making sure we've got the right drug standard and then validating that for our method. So in chemistry, it's all about validating the method that you're using and being able to provide the data to an assessor to show that your method works. So say we take your protein powder, the first time we test that, we quite literally put all 200 and something drugs in little standards into that product and make sure we can get them out again. Geez, that'd be because worth heaps on the market. Sometimes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You do it after match that and just, just pop a little batch in the mail. Right. I'll do some in house testing. Testing on that one, yeah. So, because you've got a shot. So, all 218 of them? Yeah. Because what happens is sometimes you get something in the product that suppresses our ability to extract that drug again. So not every supplement is actually suitable for test this sort of drug testing or it's really difficult to get all of those drugs out. So we put them in and we make sure that we can see those standards come back out again. And then when we run your products, we know that if something comes up as a peak, that, that it's real. So okay. it's all about validation and data and having that data set that supports your certificate. So that certificate just says not detected. There's a lot of work that goes in behind Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Big process. And we review those. So WADA publishes their new list in September each year. And so they say this is the list for next year, effective January 1. And they also publish a list of major modifications. That's a really useful guide to what's changed, why they're interpreting things differently, some things that they've set levels for that they might be changing. So we really need to review that on an annual basis and let people like yourself, our, our good clients, know what's changed. If something comes onto the list that wasn't there before, we need to make sure that we've got a standard for that and that we can detect it and make sure we can pick it up in product. It's incredible. So that's that process. We actually, uh, for those people that don't know, we do put our certificates up on our website, bodyscience.com.au forward slash drug test. If it's not that, it'll be that tomorrow. <laughs> so you can actually look at the batch on your label and you can print out the certificate test certificate. analysis, drug that's testing it. certificate. Thank you. And uh, they're also on our website. So Hasta's got the products that are certified. We list them with the flavour and batch and expiry date on our website. We do independent testing as well for people who don't certify products. So maybe that's a, a distinction that you need to understand. We do two types with you. Yeah. We have our batch, every batch is tested. Then we have our products we make that we think athletes won't be into and when you launch them you find out you're very incorrect in your market <laughs> research into athletes want to use so we have a, a lot of random programs going on we've got a flavor of a product mm. tested at all times you just don't mm. get to pick your flavor so, so if if a company certifies a product it's a big commitment on their part mm. so to certify a product it's not just tested we look at where it's manufactured we make sure that we verify the controls are in place in that manufacturing plan we review the formulation then we do extra work in terms of validating the product and then we make them test every single batch. So a certified product is actually a much more stringent set of criteria and every batch is in tested and that's when they can use the logo on pack. Batch testing means that someone sent us a sample from a batch. Still a good thing, 
but not the same as that whole more controlled process of certifying. Mm. And what we find increasingly is manufacturers, as you say, have a product that they really don't feel is targeted at that elite market and is a mass production product, which is going to send them broke if they have to test every batch. So they might just test a particular flavour and supply that to a team. And we also see more often now, in fact, we do a lot of independent testing for teams and clubs, sporting bodies who want to supply something to their team that's not tested. So they'll then send us a batch and say, all right, we'd like to use this with our, our team. It's not tested by the manufacturer. Can you test this batch? We do that with a lot of teams, actually, yeah. with you, and I appreciate that. It's a, yeah. You get somebody who wants a special flavour protein bar who's an elite athlete, <laughs> so they have to test the whole batch. Kenny's never done sport. No. Yeah. <laughs> never done so it, but there is a lot of sport, a lot of teams that do <clears throat> test. And we see an increasing range of product coming through. And again, that market around complementary medicines and where that sits in terms of supplements. So not your standard mm -hmm. formulated supplementary sports foods, capsules and tablets and other things. And, and some of those we have real difficulties uh, testing. We might not be able to get all the steroids out of some of those really oily products. And that's what we'll tell the, um, the team or the dietitian or the strength and conditioning right. coach and go, we've tested this, but we can't get every drug that we would like to to extract out of it. So you still have an element mm -hmm. of risk. It's, it's been an, an eye opener for us. Like our multivitamin, for example, was tested. And then we had a batch that actually said no. Like, mm. So we couldn't sell that batch and it tastes takes months to make a vitamin tablet just so you know <laughs> but then we had the process of actually trying to break down what was it that caused it it, it was massive for us so now that product is tested batch by batch you know we, we tested if you say it passed it passed if it doesn't it doesn't that's what we tell yeah. people we, we took we actually took the hasta logo off that product and i think you'll find if you go through the asada supplement checker it's got a little quiz which says these are the things you should look for mm -hmm. and one of them is products with a, a lot of ingredients because the more ingredients you have the more supply potential supply mm -hmm. chain issues you have and the more herbal products which are again hard to verify they come from multiple sources offshore so that raw ingredient risk Supply is chain there was just in terms of those things. Group. Proprietary blends. Massive fan of those. Issue. Big fan of proprietary blends. Mm. So you won't see one on our product. No, yeah. no, and I don't think you should be allowed to do it. I think mm. you should be able to list the ingredients and, mm. and the amounts of each ingredient. Yeah. But it's commonplace. Well, it's different manufacturing standards from different countries, mate. That's what it is. So. Yeah. Well, in the US, supplements are not counted as either a food or a medicine. So the FDA has drugs, food, dietary supplements. So they actually come under a different regulatory authority or part of that regulatory authority. Whereas here, they're either a food or a medicine and they're regulated either by Food Standards Code or TGA. So our regulations here on both those categories are actually stricter. We run both types too. It's quite yeah, difficult times. It yeah. is, yeah. Like the multivitamin, stepping back to that, that was yeah. that was a headache. It was a massive headache. And that's where we said to ourselves, do we stop making a multivitamin? Because we didn't release that batch. We destroyed it, the one that got the test, because our program at the time was to, it's either yes or no. So that's where we sat down and we had a good mm -hmm. chat on it. And the theory was, it's just too hard. So we still want to bring a multi out. So we test it before we release it. And then if that's yes, <coughs> we'll tell people they can check the cert on the web. Yep. If, you know, the next batch is no guarantee and people need to be really aware of that. That's a, mm. And that's like when every time athletes walk in, our team is trained to go, you're an athlete, athlete. aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So we ask the second question ourselves. I guess for everyone listening, what, what are some of the side effects of performance enhancing drugs that you know people think oh okay well i'm, I'm in a sport that doesn't get tested i'm yeah it, it's okay I, i'll just buy whatever supplement off the internet because it's cheaper what are the benefits of people actually going to a, a supplement that that is third party tested because what are some of the side effects of some performance enhancing drugs oh mate, it's a big question i think when it comes to the sort of products that 
would bring about an, a, a positive doping test with anything, with any drug. I mean, all drugs, whether it's across the androgen spectrum, anabolics, whatever, there are clinical uses for all of those mm -hmm. substances, right? So I look at it as use, misuse, and abuse mm -hmm. in terms of the, the, the categorization of that. Like anything, if you abuse alcohol for your entire life, you will end up most likely with a liver problem. Nicotine, yeah. you know, over-the-counter drugs, whatever. You know, long-term misuse of products will result in a whole range of adverse health outcomes. There's no question. There are products that are banned substances, and I'm talking about anabolics here and testosterones and all these sort of things, have genuine use from a hormone replacement perspective for men and women. Yeah, therapeutic use. Therapeutic, I'm talking clinically. Use, yeah. Absolutely, there's uses. So, yeah. uh, and used correctly, the side effects are minimal, are minimized, yeah. absolutely, categorically. If you go off the reservation and you want to take triple the amount or, you know, 10 times the amount, well, there'll be a knock-on effect to that. So side effects wise, I, I think, I mean, I'm, I have a pin, my opinion is from a clinical perspective. I think there's a, a lot of hysteria around the, the use of, for example, testosterone. I think low testosterone in men is a massive clinical condition in this country and around the world, yeah. for particularly men over 40 years of age who don't know they have testosterone levels in the toilet, yeah. in the, through the floor. The risk of actually having poorer outcomes from a cardiovascular perspective with low testosterone equal, and I'm on a bit of a rant, but parallel issues with high cholesterol and all of these other things that we all know about. Mm. And most most men walk around, don't even know they've got low testosterone in their in their 40s and 50s, but they're not subject to sport testing. But this is something where they'll go to their GP. And well, GPs or... may or may not be much use to them. They, they probably have to go to someone who specialises okay. in hormones, an endocrinologist or someone. The side effects can be dire. In terms of quantified research that absolutely slam dunks the adverse health risks to the long-term use, it's actually pretty slim. There's a lot of what we call anecdotal urban myth, mm -hmm. perhaps, around what it could do. But there, there's certainly, if you think about the fact that these products have to metabolise by the liver, then the liver's going to cop it, mm -hmm. uh, ultimately. So the risk of increased liver function and, and poorer outcomes long-term, fatty liver disease and a whole lot of things, absolutely. So the side effects can be significant on health. I mean, it's hard to say. Certainly you can't say, if you take a course of this product, you will you might end up with this outcome. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really broad and it depends a lot on what the product is. And I guess at the end of the day, somebody that's you know, not even in a sport, somebody that's feeling a bit down, they go to work every day, they, you know, they, they work long hours, they, they, need, uh, they probably don't eat much during lunch breaks or they don't eat enough, they're, they're still better off with a tested supplement. Oh, yeah, no question. Then yeah. they're not. They're, instead of just going on the internet, I'll buy the cheaper one. Let's get the let's get the one that's third party tested or a reputable brand. They're still better off with that than buying oh, something. No question, because I think one lends itself to the other around the quality of ingredients. I think that the companies who are diligent with respect to the testing for the doping are the types of companies who are going to be mm -hmm. diligent around the ingredients that are in their products. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It goes hand in hand yeah. in terms of those the yeah. quality ingredients. You want good quality ingredients in your products. Who do I go to? I go to a company that is has a policy and is diligent around supply chain and the quality of my ingredients. Lists the ingredients in the on the label. Correctly. Um, correctly. Made up names. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and no proprietary blend. So you know what a proprietary yeah. blend is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. for, so, for those that are listening that maybe don't know what that is, they'll put, there are companies that on the label, it will just say... 5,000 milligrams. 5,000 milligrams of Billy's Thermogenic Mix or yeah. something like that. And then it'll have... Proprietary a, blend. Proprietary blend yeah. underneath it. And so what it doesn't tell you is... 
the nuts and bolts of every single product that's in there and the, the amounts of those. Mm. That lends itself to a conversation around clinical dose, uh, effect, clinically effective dose Absolutely. Uh, around things, particularly beta alanines and some of those where you know, there might be a, a small amount of these products in the ingredients in the product, but nowhere near enough to have any benefit. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, well, we'll sprinkle it in because the person reads the label, good. sounds and, great. Yeah, and, oh, and they go, oh, is yeah. it has it got this in it? Check, check, yep, check. Yep. Oh, yeah, but it's one-tenth of what would have yep. a benefit. So there's a lot of that going on. Yep. But your answer's correct. I guess the point that I was getting to is you don't have to be Olympic standard athlete. You don't have to be a high-performance athlete mm. to want to take safer a, a, a oh, safer oh, supplement. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the like reasons you, the TGA banned it is because in high doses, it's led to cardiac arrest and death. Mm. So there's your side effect, death. Mm. Probably not what you want from a pre-workout so that whole class has been banned on health reasons and that was definitely when the withdrawal notices there is a number of products that were readily available in australia that had that chemical in them so that's been withdrawn for health reasons so again don't have to be an athlete no. don't have to be you know competing or training every day you can be joe blow that turns yep. up to work every every yeah. day and works, works his long hours to have that, and you know, just needs to work out stimulant zone. and yeah there's something in there that's actually quite detrimental to your health yes yeah. or your employment like you were saying or your employment yeah. oh that's not well employee drugs are generally around illicit Party. drugs and or prescription medication that can affect your performance mm. so it's a much more limited list athletes got to deal with this huge water list of you know hundreds and hundreds of drugs workplace is generally a, a much more defined list not as tricky but it's still something you've got to be very careful of absolutely well jane thank you very much for coming up today we appreciate that thank you, you guys out in the summer world that need to certify your products Haster is the answer kenny it's always fun have you got any last words on how you go so fast i stick the left paddle in first and then i go to the right one and then i go to the left one again and then i try to do that continually or longer harder faster strokes more persistent i like that you'd like that as a cage mate I reckon that would be handy. Put the left one in first, then the right, <laughs> right and do it more often and harder than the next yeah. person. Yeah. And usually the longer, harder, faster, good. and more yeah. consistently than the person next to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm. that's I, I would hate to be in like a K two or a K four with you. I don't think it'd be fun at all. <laughs> I don't know if you'd be too. I'd be too scared of falling in the water. They're not real big. The seats aren't real big, right? There's not a lot of room to move. No, there's not. They're as skinny as my hips. Yeah. I'm like a size thirty two at the moment. I don't know if Kenny remembers as he came around one day and he bought he bought it around. And he, he stood up on the seat and said, "Here you go, jump in." I sat on and went straight in, straight yeah. out the other edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Absolutely. For, I was actually doing a lot of paddling at the time too. It was for some for some people, we need like a shoehorn to get them into the boat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Get back out again. Yeah. It is fun. So, guys, thanks for coming along. That's the last of this. Let's knock it off. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Today's podcast was brought to you by the new Superberry Amino BCAA Fuel. Stocked at Mr. Supplement, Vitamin Empire, Rockhard Supplements, ASN Nationally, Sporty's Warehouse, or find a retailer at bodyscience.com.au forward slash retailers with an S.